The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are as soul? What if you are not the sum total of all of your behaviors, thoughts, and emotions? What if you're not even the sum total of all your experiences? What if all your wounds are but windows to the soul? In fact, what if all of your behaviors, thoughts, and emotions are but windows to the soul? And what if all of your experience is but a window to the soul? What if what you see is only image because you're looking through other people's eyes? And what if what you don't see, because you are not looking at your inside yourself, but you can sense and feel and intuitively touch and even touch as you touch your own body, is the real essence of who you are? Uh, wouldn't that be an interesting conundrum? Wouldn't it be even enlightening to come to know yourself as soul right here, right now on planet Earth? Why is it, I wonder, that we think that we have to wait until we die to know ourselves as soul? You see, we've been taught by our society that uh, that the soul is a far away, distant thing. It's something that is not we're not really connected to. We can only have that when we die, and the reason we can only have it when we die is because we are split off from our souls. Our souls are uh, uh, alien to us, even. Our souls are not a part of our essence here on this planet. We are form. We are body. And that whole idea came from the duality trance state, what I call it, as you, those of you who've been listening to me for a while know. Duality trance state is a hypnotic state in which we all exist, in which we believe that we are separate from the divine, in which because of the, uh, using the metaphor of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we, uh, decided to take a journey into duality so that we could put duality to rest for the entire universe. In other words, our effort here is part of the co-creative effort to uh, plan a new universe where form and formlessness are united. Because once upon a time, there was no form. Everything was formless and void. And then there was form. And form, as form, had to be fully involved in its creative effort and therefore had to ask all the questions inherent in any creative effort. So when I'm looking at a canvas and I see the canvas uh, is empty, there are a billion questions that are inherent in that emptiness. And I can fill up that emptiness with whatever answers I choose. 
And along the way, I can experiment with each one of those answers to see if, yeah, that's what I want to paint. No, that's not what I want to paint. That's what creativity is all about. And that's what we were doing when we came down here to planet Earth, up here, wherever it was we came, to planet Earth. And we and we decided to take the journey into duality. That's what we were doing when we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Although traditionalists teach us that what we were doing when we ate of the knowledge of, uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil was committing a sin what uh what the metaphor actually says when we read the root language uh of the hebrew language is is something much more akin to the the uh, elemental essence of who we are as form and trying to figure out who that is so when we took up that journey we said okay let's figure out what duality is what would it be like to experiment with the idea that we could live separately from the divine as form, because, you know, form is form and formlessness is formlessness, right? Never the twain shall meet. What we didn't know at the time, or maybe we did know and wanted to experiment with other possibilities, was that uh, the very molecular structure of our bodies, as quantum physics is now finding out, is made up of the, uh, is a constituent part of the divine. So there is no such thing as a divide between form and formlessness. But because we believe there is, we also believe the soul is separate from us as human beings and that we can only exper- uh, experience that soul once we've passed into the other realm where soul is. Soul as formlessness is. So because that is true, we don't often really let ourselves experiment or experience uh, the essence of soul energy now there are a lot of us out there now who are beginning to try to see what that's like Uh, eastern religion has moved more into western archetypes and western archetypes have taken on a more eastern influence and and eastern religions have also taken on a little bit of the western archetypes so we're beginning to merge our our um, psychological and spiritual energies around the idea of who we are as souls. Um, but religion, of course, is not the total, uh, far from, in fact, the total essence of what is true and false about humanity and about what we're doing here. Though it is an effort, it's a it's a stab in the dark at it. And, and uh, certainly I don't have all the answers either. And my job is to just ex- experiment with these ideas and, and, and see what I think is resonates with me at the deepest, most profound level. And I think that's really the only guidance we have is what resonates with us at the deepest and most profound level. Problem is most of us don't know how to access that deep, profound level. And that is the problem. So we're going to talk a little bit today about that whole idea of, of the soul and what it means as soul and what it means to access soul. Because soul and authenticity uh, are synonymous terms in my book. There are people out there who will tell you that uh, the authentic self is not the soul and the soul is not the authentic self. I disagree with those people and you get to decide what you believe. Uh, certainly will not be dictating what you should believe here. But I'm putting forth some ideas uh, for you to examine and consider and see what you think. Uh, see what you feel. See what resonates with you. Where are your lights? So, Okay. We're talking today about that whole thing of authentic self and soul as one thing. Now, if I talk about the authentic self strictly from a psychological psychological perspective, what I'm going to say is that the authentic self is my deepest, most passionate, most resonant, most um, uh, 
congruent itself where my mind and my heart and my body and my my spirit and my you know the bones of me are going to all agree we're all going in the same direction so there's not my my mind saying one thing and my heart saying something else or my my behavior saying one thing and my my feelings saying something else it's going to be all one thing and um in that way, I begin to be able to make decisions about who I am as an authentic being and what I want in my life and what I don't want in my life. And what, you know, what we, we can think about the authentic self's choices as sort of like the taste buds of the tongue. You know, we, somebody puts a, an array of food on our plate and we get to decide what we're going to taste and what we're not and what we're going to, what smells good to us and we want to pursue further and what doesn't. And I've said this before, but if, you know, you put a bunch of food on my plate and a little bit of that is turnip greens, they're not passing these lips. That's not going to happen. I've done that, been there, and it's not ever going to happen again. So that is what the authentic self would be that way. It would be able to go, this does not resonate with me, and I am not choosing that. Or this does resonate with me, and I am choosing that. So that's how we formulate a life out of the authentic self. It's a very simplistic version of it, but that's basic, the basic overview. Okay, so that's just totally from a psychological perspective. Take that one step deeper, and I always see people go deeper with this. Once they've really found the psychological essence of who they are as, a, as a, an authentic self, they begin to need to explore the spiritual essence of who they are as an authentic self. And that very often requires wading through some old stereotypes and some old archetypes from uh, religions that don't necessarily work for them anymore, where they've perhaps always questioned these things and begun to say, well, now, okay, is that true or not? But they don't really let, haven't in the past, let themselves really make those questions. And now that they're authentic and, and want to be authentic, they want to be authentic about their spirituality too. And I say that there is no true spirituality unless it comes from our authenticity. Anything short of an authentic connection to the divine, whatever, however you perceive that, is not real because it's not authentic. There may be some traditional values that you decide to keep, and that's great. If they're real for you, there may be some that you want to let go of. Uh, so it, it, it really does come down to what resonates with you. Now, there's a lot of people out there who would say that's really pretty dangerous stuff because uh, that means that we're not going to be able to um, – orchestrate the world it's the world is going to be anarchy if we if we aren't careful and everybody's doing their own thing so to speak well that's not what i'm talking about i'm not talking about everybody doing their own thing and i think that that's very often what we think of when we think of the word authentic well you know i i'm an authentic person and i like wearing blue jeans and so i'm wearing blue jeans to the corporate headquarters and i don't care what they think about it that would be me being authentic right wrong that's not authenticity. <laughs> that can amount to just, you know, a rebellion. I don't know what it is because I don't know what's going on inside that person. But it could be just simply saying, oh, those are the rules. Hey, let me – I've got a terminal case of uniqueness here, so let me just, you know, be unique and, and be different. And, and that's how I see myself. But that amounts not to authenticity but to an identity. That's how I see myself. That isn't who I am. It's how I see myself. So I hear people all the time come into the office and they'll say, well, you know, this is what I do. These are things I feel. This is how I think. This must be me. Well, not necessarily. Who I th What I think like 
and what I uh, feel like and how I behave like may not be who I really am at all. In fact, I've seen people's uh, shift from all of those behaviors, thoughts, and deeds that they did previously to the authentic self, and w- at which point those behaviors and thoughts and deeds change either entirely or incrementally, but change to the degree that they become they resonate now with the authentic self. They're not they're not coming from an identity. So what's the difference? Well, we have to explain that before we can can really understand what soul means. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're about to take a break. So I don't want to lose you here, but so but I'm going to go ahead and start, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll finish the sentences after break. the The basic idea is that uh, the authentic self is the the essence of your soul. It's the essence of who you are as a unique human being. The identity, on the other hand, is the mask and costume you put on at such an early age that you don't even recognize the distinction. So we're going to talk about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about what it means to be a soul. What does that mean? What is a soul? 
who are you really? Uh, who can you be ultimately if, if you are not a soul? What does it mean? What are we talking about? And just before the break, what we said was that uh, the distinction between the authentic self and the identity was very, very important to make. The authentic self is the essence of who we are, bottom line, down to the lowermost and highest most level of who we are as an essential being. That is the authentic self. I call it soul. It is the same thing. Uh, those terms, authentic self and soul, are used synonymously. Um, and uh, the identity, on the other hand, is the mask and costume we put on pre-verbally, before we could speak, uh, when we were so young that we were absorbing what came to us. You see, when we come here as form, we're in, uh, we're in this uh, new kind of nature. And while we may remember soul, we are also looking for mirrors of, of who we are as, so, as form. So we are looking around to our environment to say, okay, who am I now? The Now that I'm form, who am I? And the environment says, okay, here's how we need you to be. This is what we need you to be, so be that. And whatever it is that that environment tells us to be, we know at some biological level that we need these people to live, to survive. We need them, and so we will become what they want us to become. Besides, we think that they're telling us correctly. So uh, we can put on all kinds of masks. We can put on the, vic- the victim mask, the superwoman mask, the superman mask, the superhero mask, the the uh, the um, what are some of the others? The uh, scapegoat mask, the black sheep mask, the bully mask. These are some of the ones that I discuss in the book Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self. And these are all bargains, and we discuss those bargains in that book, and we also discuss those bargains in another book called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, because we've put a lot of energy in this New Age, New Thought movement, uh, telling us that the law of attraction is uh, we, we think positive thoughts and we get positive things. But uh, actually, it turns out that that's not exactly true. What is actually true is that we are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, circumstances, and events that will bring us closer and closer to awareness and alignment with the authentic self or the soul. So uh, so that is the intention of our journey here is we're got walking through, as I said in the first segment, walking through the creative energy of duality. And we are more and more over lifetime, incarnation after incarnation, coming to terms with who we are as divine essence, as one with the divine. Yes, I did say we are, we are divine essence. We are divine essence. I did say that. Um, and, uh, but we've been taught that that's blasphemous. We are not supposed to be talking about those things. And oh my gosh, if we talk about those things, we might be accused of having a Messiah complex or we might be accused of being, uh, uh, um, you know, extremely arrogant or self-righteous or, holier than thou or crazy. So, we're, you know, those are the reasons why we don't go ahead and just say that out loud, that we are, at base, divine essence. But I'm saying it here today. And I'm saying it because I can't tell you how much I believe it's true. And I can't tell you how much I believe that duality isn't true. So, so we've put on this identity 
the identity says I'm separate and I must be like these people or what like what they need me to be in order to be united with them because I'm separate. That's the experiment I'm involved in now that I've taken on form. So as form, I put on this mask and costume and I pretend to be uh, a scapegoat or a superwoman or a victim or a bully or something like that. Uh, and then I live that out. And as time goes by, I get more and more reinforcement for living that out, and it seems to work. And I've connected dots that may or may not actually belong together, but I've connected them in my mind. I've done some magical thinking and some magical stretching that says these two things are connected. So if I uh, think a certain way and certain things happen, then I think there's a connection there. And if I do certain things and other people act certain ways, I think there's a connection there. And there's not usually a connection there. Um, so it, 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 we make those connections and they mean that we're making bargains with our life. If I do this, then this will happen. If I put on this mask and costume, then I'll get to stay a part of this family and then I'll be okay. Of course, okay runs a gamut of lots of things that are not okay. But we think we're okay because we've connected dots that don't belong together. And because we've connected those dots, we we have taken on more and more and more and more and more of this mask and costume and its role as it is scripted out for us by our circumstances or by what we think about our circumstances. So we can live our lives that way without ever even recognizing that there's something deeper. But here's a way to recognize it. It's not the only way for sure. There's lots of ways of recognizing it. But here's one of the ways that is most poo-pooed, if I can use that term, dismissed, denigrated, by the new thought, new age, uh, human potential movement, and that is this. If I have some negative feelings, what we call negative feelings, which in my book there is no such thing as a negative feeling. If I have some negative feelings, that means that I'm not gonna, that I, that I'm not gonna get what I want, the law of attraction is not gonna work for me, or, um, you know, I'm just a bad person for having those negative feelings, or whatever, uh, we cast aspersions on those feelings and say we shouldn't have them. But those negative feelings can be guideposts to our authenticity. They are not our authenticity in its essence, but they can certainly lead us there for sure. So how, here's how that works. I've, I've used this example before, but it's a simple one, and I'm going to use it again for that reason. If I'm somebody who lives my life out of guilt, being held hostage to guilt so that I have this bargain going on, the bargain that says if I don't do X, then I'm going to feel really bad later. So I, I better go ahead and just do X. Even though I resent the hell out of it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I, I do it. And I do it again and I do it again and I do it again. And over time, that resentment is building up and building up and building up. And I feel that resentment every now and then. And then I tell myself how bad I am for having that resentment. But you know, when people come to see me in therapy, I say, okay, well, let's look at that resentment. Let's, let's see what it has to give you. They're like, give you? What are you talking about? I need to get rid of that feeling. That's what I came in here to do. You're supposed to make me holy. You're supposed to make me all better so that I don't have that feeling anymore. I'm not supposed to have any quote-unquote negative feelings because that makes me into a bad person. I don't want to be a bad person because that makes me feel like I don't really deserve to be here. And so really I don't want that feeling. So we just need to get rid of that. Would you just help me get rid of my resentment make me a good person again? No, sorry, I can't help you with that. <laughs> what I can help you with is examining that resentment to find out what it has to offer you because what it has to offer you is a whole new path. 
<clears throat> excuse me, one that's much more authentic. And here's here's why. That resentment is telling you that you're doing a lot of inauthentic stuff by being held hostage to guilt. But isn't guilt right? People say, well, isn't guilt the right feeling? Isn't it a guidepost? Isn't it the, uh, the your conscience talking to you? <coughs> Excuse me. Isn't that the truth? Well, no, it's not the truth. Guilt is an anxiety. Guilt is a, a bargain we make. If I, if I feel guilty, that must mean I'm a good person. If I respond to guilt in the way that I think I should, then that makes me a good person. So these are the ways we convince ourselves that we're good people. And in the process, we lose touch with our authenticity. The resentment, on the other hand, has come to tell us that, in fact, those things that we're doing that we call good are actually very bad. Not only are they keeping us out of touch with who we are as soul, but they're also really not doing anything for anybody else because nothing that's not real does anything for anybody else. And we think, well, at least they benefited from it. Even if it's hurting me, at least they benefited. No, they probably didn't. It wasn't real. Real things don't really do anything. So we're giving and giving and giving and giving. We think we're doing something wonderful for these other people, but we're not. It's all just a bargain. It's a game we're playing. And they might be playing with us, but, you know, all we're doing is batting a tennis ball around. (coughs) Excuse me, folks. I don't know what's going on with my throat. But the bottom line here is that we're not really doing something real. So we've we've played this game and we've come to therapy or we've come to see the guru or we've come to church or we've we've gone somewhere to say what is wrong with me why do i have this duplicity in me why do i have one part of me saying one thing and another part of me saying something else well guess what the reason you have that is because one part of you is authentic and the other part isn't and that's why these quote unquote negative feelings are so valuable to us they can help us to become who we really are at our deepest essence. So when people begin to say, oh, my resentment has some value to me. Oh, OK. Well, let me look at that. That resentment is telling me that I'm doing inauthentic things. Well, yeah, maybe it's going to be a little bit scary for me to uh, to act- actualize that that feeling that I am doing things that are not really real. So what that would mean is. Uh, somebody who has always been very dependent on me and very needy calls me up and says, will you let me need you again? And I say, you know, yeah, that's not going to work for me today. I'm not going to do that today. Here's what I'll, you know, here's what I'm going to do instead or whatever we do. However we respond to that in whatever authentic way we respond to that, that other person is going to probably be mad at us and, and, and may even use, use the S word on us, you know, the the selfish word. The one that says, you're so selfish because you're not doing what I want you to do. Okay, that's a complete projection, right? So so that person is telling us we're selfish and we go, oh my gosh, I'm selfish. Oh my gosh, uh, let me go back into the old role. Let me do what I've always done. Let me just, oh my gosh, I can't be selfish. Then I won't be a good person. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And that's where we stay, kind of uh, teetering on that fence for a while until we land somewhere. We either go back to doing what we did or we try to do it differently. And as we try to do it differently, new things pop up inside of us, new awarenesses, new senses of belonging to ourselves, new senses of being alive, a new sense that, wow, life is good. Uh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't, I've been carrying this burden around and what, what is the phrase? Uh, carrying around my cross. Um, I've been doing that for so long that I, I haven't even looked up. I didn't even know there was a blue sky up above me. 
that's what it's like to begin the process of authenticity. And it is absolutely a process of choice. It is absolutely a way of becoming aware of who, who we are at the deepest, most possible levels. And as we do that, we begin to really feel alive as real people. And people begin to recognize the realness that we have. And they will literally say to you, oh, you're a real person. I know I can talk to you about this because you're a real person. How do they know that? How do they know who's real and who's not? Because something inside of them that is authentic resonates with authenticity. I have people come to see me all the time who say, well, you know, if I become authentic, I'll just be alone. I'm not going to have another significant other. I'm not going to get into a partnership. It's not going to happen. You'll just be alone because who else in the world is, is authentic? What I find to be true is that when we become authentic, we are very attractive to authenticity. And people that, that – the energy that is not authentic runs from us. It doesn't want to be around us because it recognizes that you're just not going to play the game. You just won't play the game. And so when somebody asks you if you want to do something that you don't want to do, you'll go, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'd rather do this. You're honest. You tell the truth. And you don't just tell the truth. You are the truth. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the soul we are, the soul you are, the soul I am. 
And what we said uh, in the first segment was that there that we have been sort of taught not to be who we are through the duality trans state. And then in the second segment, we talked a little bit about how that happens, how we develop an identity that is separate from the authentic self and how we begin to become more authentic as a, as in response to the two different parts of us that seem to have a voice. And what we said just before the break was that the authentic self and the soul is truth. Uh, I hesitate to use that term truth because it is of dubious uh, certainty. The, uh, you know, I think it was Blaise Pascal who said uh, it isn't certain that everything is uncertain, and I think that, that that's very true. Uh, but we can learn, learn, lean, excuse me, into the the uncertainty of authenticity. There is a kind of uh, meditational place we can go to when we are met, when we are down in the deep essence of who we are. That uh, speaks without words. That that hums without a song. That that is uh, very very re- resonant with sort of where we are standing on the planet, where we are under the sky, where who we are, and there's just not any words to wrap around that who we are except that we resonate with it, we understand it, we know it from that place. And it is a very peaceful place. And yes, there is joy there. Uh, we say that the externals give us joy and that the externals give us peace. But actually... Um, there have been many of the great master teachers who have taught us that there is a peace that passes understanding. And that is the peace I'm talking about. Uh, I would say also there is a joy that passes understanding. That uh, is, and I don't think there's a real big difference between peace and joy. But but I do think that, there, that the terminology we understand for peace is very externalized. So we want peace on the planet. We want no more wars. We want peace in our lives. We don't want to have to pay all these bills. We want, we want peace. We don't want arguments with the spouse. We, that's the way we think of peace. Um, I very often talk to groups of people, and one of the questions I find that we frequently uh, get, it, get into there is, uh, what would you like to have in your life? What would that be? What would, what, what would, you, you know, what would make you happy? And people say, well, you know, let me win the lottery. And, of course, my response to that is, well, okay, let's say you've won the lottery now. Let's say, let's make it really big. Let's say you've won $50 million. So what are you going to do with that? And then they tell me all the things they're going to do, the bills they're going to pay off, the people they're going to help, the children they're going to help, they buy a house for the mother and the child and the whoever, whoever. And then uh, they do all that, and then they go live in an island on the Pacific, right? And then they say, <clears throat> they say, well, Okay, now I've I've done what I wanted to do with that money, and I, I'll go. Okay, now that you've done that, what do you have? And nine times out of ten, I hear this phrase: "I have peace of mind." I have peace of mind, and I say, "Okay, well, that's what you were going for in the first place. You just used the money to get there." Okay, so a lot of times when we think we don't have something that we're separate from something, we're really looking for something else. We just looped that thing that you know we said we wanted into the lasso that said okay this now I can that now this is how I can have peace I've got all this money so now I can have peace I can protect myself I don't have to worry about you know people climbing the big tall fences to get in and steal my jewels and I don't have to worry about paying bills and I don't have to worry about all this stuff I can just 
have peace. What we don't realize is we don't have to worry about all this stuff anyway. There are no have tos. We don't have to worry about anything. But that's what I hear people say. Well, if I only had this, then I wouldn't have to do this. Again, a bargain. If, then. If I had this, then I wouldn't have this. That's a bargain. And we live huge portions of our lives bargaining with reality instead of going, okay, where am I standing? What is inside me? What is the grounding that keeps me planted here on this earth? What is it that I love to live for? What are the tasks that I love doing? What are the things that I love to play with? What are the things that I don't like so much? What are the things I don't resonate with so much? These are pathways. These are the ways we can generate a a path, and I call it a divine path, because it is coming directly from soul, which is, according to the Bhagavad Gita, divine self. I like the divine, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, because it tells, it doesn't use as many parables as it uses just direct statements. This is the divine self. It encompasses everything. It is who you are. It is who the divine is. It is everything. I like that. Very simple. But. Uh, but we don't, you know, in the Western world, we don't like to talk that way. And uh, so, you know, because it might it might get struck by lightning or something. So <laughs> we don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is we want to have peace. We want to have peace of mind is what we call it. What we really mean is we want to stop worrying. And the soul can actually help us do that because the soul already has everything in it that we need and want. Everything. It is everything that we are and need and want. And so you can say we are already one with all of those externals that we think are going to make us happy. So where's the need for happiness now? Uh, it's not out there. <laughs> it's not out there. It's in here. And so we talk about desire. One of the things that the law of attraction is premised on is the, ba- uh, the basic sense that we have desires that are unmet. And uh, so we've divined this pl- path that we're going to use to get our desires fulfilled. We're going to think positive thoughts and feel positive feelings and work our vision boards and, and uh, you know, stay in the positive realm where we only are imagining that our dreams have come true and we're not going to broach a single negative thought or feeling. And, and we're going to also, we're going to go into the shadow and kick out all those internal unconscious saboteurs that are in there. And then we're going to finally have what it is that we want. Uh, only problem with that is it assumes that there is an external that's going to give me fulfillment. There are no such. There is no such external. There is, fulfillment comes from the inside. It's totally an inside job. And yes, it does mean we direct our own paths and we decide on what resonates with us and what doesn't. But it doesn't mean that the external is going to be what makes us happy. So really, soul desire is more like this. Soul desire is this constantly fulfilling thing. It is, uh, it is, it is, you know, the word for Yahweh, the word for Jehovah, the root language in that, of that word in Hebrew is desire. The word desire defines the I am that I am. And ipsaity, uh, the existing one, all of that, it defines that. So it, it, how would you say, well, the, the, we, we uh, anthropomorphize this divine and we say, well, it's got desires just like we do and it longs for us like we long for it. And we call it he in the, in the Western world. I call it it because yeah, it's genderless. So um, 
we, as we decide how to define God, we are closing out options for ourselves. Um, but if God, if the soul is divine, if God is the soul and the soul is divine, the soul is us and we are God, then what is true is more like this. Desire is constantly fulfilling desire. There's this, I have a desire, I'm fulfilling it. I have a desire, I'm fulfilling it. I'm having a desire, I'm fulfilling it. Simultaneously. So that's not what we think of in terms of desire. We think of desire as this longing that just keeps dragging us by its, you know, by the hair of our heads until we finally get somewhere with it. We, we dog it until we get it. And that's the only way we'll get it. And you know, that's not how it happens. A lot of times, a lot of times we just run into it. You know, there are people out there today who would say, well, when I was a little child, I was long, I wanted to be a movie star. And I guess what? I became one. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people out there today that wanted to be a movie star that didn't become one too. So, you know, I can't explain that except that the soul is doing what it came here to do. There's a passage in the, uh, in the, um, Ketuvim of the Hebrew Bible and the, um, Old Testament of the Christian Bible in Hebrews, uh, the verses 55, the chapter in verses 55, 11. And it basically says that, uh, my word will not return to me empty. Now, if you put that in the soul realm, which I do, uh, it does not mean the word, meaning the word of God, the, the Bible. It means any creative gesture. No creative gesture of mine will return to me empty. What that means is there cannot be a failed life. Now, I know that is really hard for us to wrap our minds around. But if the soul is always fulfilling its own desire, then there is nothing that goes on in our lives that does not completely fulfill the soul's desire. Now, we might look at that and say, well, yeah, but look at what went on in my life. I mean, really, is that what the soul wanted? Is the soul this vindictive, you know, personality that's trying to beat me up? No. The, the beating up comes from the duality trance state. The soul takes that and makes something out of it. So, you know, it's like uh, um, uh, Paula Cole's song, Me. Uh, that lovely, lovely song. If you have not heard it, please go find it. Please read the lyrics. Beautiful, beautiful song. Love that song. Uh, she talks about how I'm the one who beats me up. It's me who beats me up. Uh, so that's one of the lines in that, in the lyrics in that song. And it's so true. We are the ones who beat ourselves up. We're, it's not any kind of magic. It's not any kind of, the law of attraction is not attracting us to, these bad things because we're thinking negative thoughts. The truth is they're not really bad things. They're just things. And we make them bad because we interpret them to be bad. But the soul is not interpreting them to be bad. We are in the duality trance state because we came up with the terminology of good and bad based on the duality trance state. And the duality trance state tells us that there's a good and there's a bad. And there's all kinds of degrees of good and there's all kinds of degrees of bad, but that's about it. There's nothing else. And everything falls into one of those two categories and so on somewhere along that continuum. So we don't think that in terms of, of non-judgmental uh, interpretations of the events in our lives, we're constantly judging them. And because we are, we are 
not accessing the soul's desire that is constantly fulfilling itself. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the last segment of the Authentic Living Show. We've been talking today about the soul that you are, the soul that I am. And what we've talked about is the fact that we are out of touch with accessing that, consciously accessing that soul because we've been taught that we are to put on a mask and costume. And we've talked about how we can work with that mask and costume to discover who we are as authentic beings or soul. And uh, I want to spend this last period of time talking a little bit about what it means to to access that sense of self, because that's the bottom line. The bottom line of who we are is soul. We said in the just previous segment that that we can stay out of touch with the desire that is constantly fulfilling itself and what I mean by staying out of touch with it is not that we live on some rarefied or uh, separate plane from the authentic self or the soul I do not mean that we are literally split off I mean that our consciousness has not tapped into the energies we are not consciously aware of what the soul is constantly doing on our behalf we are not consciously aware of what the soul is constantly doing to fulfill its own desire which uh, if we can surrender to it makes us completely happy and what I mean by surrender is not um, 
that we wave a white flag and say, okay, so you can throw me into whatever hell you want to and I'll just have to deal with it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, the fact that this, this, when we have that kind of surrender and what I mean is just that kind of saying, okay, I know. It's, it comes from that kind of knowing, that inner resonance that says, I know that my soul is always accomplishing what it came here to accomplish and I can just let go of trying to get something to happen. I can let go of trying and striving of, of uh, identifying with something in order to exist. You see, that is our biggest fear in the duality trance state. Our biggest fear is that if I don't have this identity, this mask and costume, then I will cease to exist. That is a very primal place that we go to that 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 is the very basis of the distinction between form and formlessness formlessness ceases to exist oh my gosh if i'm form and i no longer can hold on to this identity that form believes in will i will i become formlessness well the truth is we're always formlessness and we're always form and that is the journey we're on as a collective to change the universe to a place where formlessness and form are one Again, prior to our coming here, there was no form. Then there was form. Form had to experiment with duality to find out whether or not form was separate from the uh, formlessness. And what we've, what was really always true, and we just didn't know it, was that formlessness and form are the same thing. Every little molecule that is in us is, is at its essence formlessness. And so there's a, there's that, that bottom line of who we are again is divine, even in our physical essence. But we don't know that, and we don't can't imagine that, and we can't wrap our heads around that. And because that is so, we are not conscious of what the soul is doing, but it's always doing it. It's doing it whether we know it or not. So in one incarnation, I might live out the life of this really. I might be a priest, and the next one, I'm somewhere down the line. I might have been a serial killer. Who knows? But each one of those gave me something. It's so hard for us to imagine that because we believe in termination and beginning. We believe in death and life instead of life. And we believe that when a killer kills somebody, they really die. (laughs) They don't. I'm not saying that it's okay for them to do that. certainly wouldn't be okay with me if somebody killed one of my the people that I love or it's not okay with me that they kill anybody. But it happens. And it is part of the dualistic energy that says we're here to find out who we are. And we have to go to that extreme to experiment with what it is to be dualistic, to be separate from the divine. We have to have those extremes. And because some people are living that out in our world, not everyone has to live it out in our world. So they're doing some of us a big favor. Um, And because we are all one, everything is in all of us. The serial killer is in me. It's in you. It's in all of us. We don't want to see that. We don't want to know that. We want to say they, they, they. But that's just projection. We're putting that on them because they're living it out for us, and they let us put it on them. And and in some form at the soul level, that's a loving act. We don't want to see that. We don't want to look at that. We want to blame. We want to shame. Now, again, I'm not saying we should send let all our prisoners free. I'm not saying that. Uh, that is what they've chosen in this life, and that's that's part of that what they come here to get. 
what I am saying is that all of those things are relative to the duality trance state, and they have to do with identity. They have to do with this, the, the need to survive, this need to not be annihilated, to, the, to feel that we exist. And, and because we're afraid that if we don't exist as we think that form has attached itself to, then we don't exist at all. But soul, on the, on the, on the other hand, soul is always accomplishing what it came here to accomplish. And we can totally trust that. It's kind of like the ocean. It just keeps rolling on, doing what it does, doing what it does, doing what it does all the time. And we, you know, we are a part of that ocean and we don't realize it. Um, so as that's going on, if we just kind of go, okay, I'm a part of the ocean. I'm going to let it do what it does. What happens is peace. What happens is joy. What happens is this uh, real amazing abundance that we become aware of that's always been there. We just weren't aware of it. And so when we live that out, when we live that out, what that looks like is I'm just stepping into the next place that feels true to step into. I'm not, you know, I don't, I may have a plan for the next 10 years of my life, but I don't know whether that plan is going to be the one that my soul has or not. We'll see. Uh, so we're surrendered to, well, okay, well, what's the next step now? And we're not looking to some other to give it to us. The soul is not an other. It is who we are. We could, it's All the answers are right here inside of us. And I don't mean firmed up answers like, uh, you know, uh, the, the meaning of life is da-da-da-da-da. I don't mean that. I mean that everything we're looking for is inside of us. So while we may never be able to recite the meaning of life to another human being, being, we will know it. We will know it at our deepest essence because we are it. We are it. And that is the difference between that authenticity, that soul, and an identity that says, I can only be as I do. The identity says, I can only exist as I do what I do. The authentic self, the soul, says... I exist because I am and it's very peaceful and it's very joyful and it gives. We can, we can receive from that soul instead of feeling like we should, you know, lots of times we think about the, the, the Christian life, the Jewish life, the Hindu life, the Buddhist life, the, you know, any religion's life has this kind of ideal that we should be giving love to other people. We should be doing that. And as we should ourselves into that, we're not receiving the essence of love that comes from the soul, which radiates through us to other people. So that's the essence of the soul. And next week, we're going to get the opportunity to talk to Lisa Coffey about your dharma. So there's a connection there between your soul and your dharma. We're going to bridge that next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.